Hey, well, good evening to everybody that is um, watching us via Facebook Live. We want you to um, come in, share, and I like, share, comment on this video that we have. Uh, tonight is a special um, conversation that we're doing. This is a PK conversation, but not just that. This is a family affair, as I've stated before, because I'm privileged to have my wife and my cousins and whom I love all of them dearly, and so I'm happy to have such uh, a long first wave your hand. So they see you, wave your hand, wave your hand, wave your hand. Then I'm happy to have my cousin Adrian on. Adrian, wave your hand so they see you, so they see you. And then I'm happy to have my other cousin Austin on. Austin, you know, wave your hand so that they see you as well. So tonight, um, I'm, I'm asking them to come on, and I invite them to come on, because I wanted to have this conversation. I was inspired to do this um, from having talked to my wife and Austin um, about different things they've experienced growing up as PKs. And I believe this is a, that this is an important conversation, a necessary conversation, especially because there are many times that people do not understand what PKs deal with, don't understand what PKs go through, and don't understand the um, the burdens and some of the baggage and some of the things that PKs have to carry with them and that they're not able to really express. And so tonight is one of those conversations that we are privileged to have and to really um, bridge a gap. So I wanna first start off by um, go around the room, just introduce yourself first off to the people and it will go from there, all right? So Austin, I'm gonna start with you. All right, well, I'm Austin Turner. Um, uh, I'm in North Carolina right now um, by way of Oklahoma City and uh, Kansas City. So I've been here for about ooh, 16 years now. Um, and I am a pastor's child uh, two times. So my father is a pastor and also my stepfather's a pastor. So um, I'm having a good little <laughs> good amount of information for you today. <laughs> Amen. Adrian, let me, Adrian, you're next. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Adrian Patterson, and as you can tell, the panel is all family. <laughs> we love each other. Uh, I'm from Peoria, Illinois, uh, which is two and a half hours south of Chicago, two and a half hours north of St. Louis, and two and a half hours west of Indianapolis, right there in the middle. And uh, I am the husband of Alicia Patterson. I am the father of Adrian Jr., and I just love God, I love his people, and I love my family. All right, and last but not least, saving the best for last. You know, I happen to know her some kind of well, way. Well, hold on now, Something dang. special, something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, well, I'm, you know. <laughs> last but not least, I wanna introduce my little wife. So, wifey, introduce yourself to the people. Well, I mean, you basically already did. Um, <laughs> But my name is Shayla Woodbury Brown, um, and I am a pastor's kid. My father is Pastor L. Mike Woodbury, um, but I come from a preaching family. Um, I have four uncles who were pastors, um, and I don't even know how many cousins that are in the ministry as well. So. Um, like Austin said, I, I kind of bring a plethora of knowledge to the table as well. 
All right. Well, thank you all for, um, like I said, once again, to do this, because like I said, this is a neat conversation. So the first question that I want to pose, because I had about a couple of questions and we may um, change this and there. But the first question I want to ask is, and whoever wants to start off, you can start off or I call you by name. But the first question is, talk to me about and talk to us about how was it growing up as a preacher's kid? Austin, I'm gonna start with you. Um, you know, I I started off as you know when I was young, you know, as an assistant pastor's kid, and, and growing up in in Mount Olive Baptist Church, I almost felt like a a pastor's kid just based on um, how it was you know treated, and um, which was not, was never negative. Um, and I, I loved it growing up to start off with, um, and especially the way I was embraced in in Oklahoma City. Um, and as a young child, you, you seem to, you know, um, really embrace it just because, um, you know, it comes with, you know, certain perks, I guess. Um, and it comes with, you know, uh, I guess a lot of notoriety depending on the, you know, the size of your church um, and, and everything there. Um, but, you know, overall, you know, to start off, you know, as a young child, I really loved it. Um, it was a blessing in a lot of ways. You know, it, it put, you know, a certain amount of um, respect on the way, you know, on, on me and how I, you know, had to present myself at all times. Um, I, I don't I don't really think I realized it to be, you know, more so of an issue until I got older and experienced some other things. Um, but, to you know, you know I, I, I'll keep it, you know, short and simple here. But overall, I love it to start off with. Um, and, you know, it's something I definitely had to grow into and, and learn as I got older. And, you know, I started to uh, change my lifestyle and, and my interests and things of that nature. Um, but I think it, it really uh, molded me to be uh, the person I am today in terms of how I handle a lot of situations and the expectations I place upon myself. Um, I think all came from, you know, being a, a PK initially. And I'll kind of start there. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, Adrian, talk to us about your experience. Yeah. So growing up uh, as a PK, a preacher's kid, for me and my sister and my brother, uh, for, for the record, um, my father, uh, he was a, uh, he certainly, he's a preacher uh, and he didn't become a pastor until I was 19 years old. My sister was 20, my brother's 21. And uh, so we grew up as preacher's kids, but not pastor's children. And so um, we, uh, uh, we had a, we had an interesting upbringing because our closest friends were also PKs. So we were really insulated with that. We didn't have to um, uh, live this life uh, void of having that camaraderie of another pastor's child uh, as a friend. But my sister's best friend was a PK. My brother's childhood best friend was a PK. My best friend uh, was a PK. And so we had that relationship that really shielded us and protected us from a lot of other external influences. But we recognized early um, the impact of our lives. And it seemed like there was this, mm -hmm. there was this common phrase, you know, PK, preacher's kids are the worst kids. I'm sure you have heard that before. Preacher's kids are the worst kids, uh, but we try to change that narrative or to uh, distinguish ourselves from that narrative. And uh, so, like I said, it was it was very interesting growing up as a PK. Okay, honey, George, <laughs> you just called me Shayla. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you can call no other panelists, honey, for the record. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but <laughs> but seriously, um, growing up as a PK, um, my my story was kind of like Adrian's in the sense that my dad started preaching. Um, I think Kayla and I were probably about ten or eleven, um, and from there it wasn't even a year before he was called to be the assistant pastor at Unity, and then. From there, it was just then co-pastor, then eventually senior pastor, but he didn't actually become senior pastor until we were 21. We had actually just graduated from college when he became senior pastor. Um, but still growing up a PK, a preacher's kid, um, similar in the respect that um, I'm going to agree with Austin that it's, it's a level of respect, like reverence, respect. And you basically know that um, you have to act a certain way. And you also know that when, not even just when you're in church, whenever you're anywhere and there's any church people around that you have 100, 200, 1,000 parents um, that have the authority and the right to discipline you. Um, and that's something that the average kid doesn't, really experience or understand that a PK deals with. Um, but other than that, I'll say that my growing up years as a PK, it, it probably wasn't like a lot of people would think it was. Um, now my dad was, he was kind of strict, but he also spoiled his kids rotten. So <laughs> it wasn't like, um, I'll never tell anybody that I felt like I missed out on anything growing up. I'll say that. Okay, so one thing that I've noticed from each of you's answers is you talk about having all the eyes on you, talk about how um, everybody's watching you. Everybody's watching what you do or watching what you, hearing what you say. So was there a point in time did you did it, did you all feel that I struggled with my own self-identity? Because of the fact that you have so many people watching you or they have these expectations of what a PK should be to where you may feel like I have to be this and not be myself. So did anybody struggle with a self-identity? Um, I tended to struggle with it as I got into my teenage years, to be honest with you. Um uh, you know, when you're young, you really don't I mean certain simple things you can do, like, you know, like in church and things of that nature where you can be, you know, you know, disciplined or chastised about. But when you get into your, your teenage age and you tend to go and do activities or go on dates and things of that nature. And, um, you know, there was oftentimes I felt like um, if I saw anybody from church, usually I was going to hear a report from somebody somewhere. You know, and even, you know, even as a teenager, um, you know, you're already kind of rebellious in some ways. Um, not to say that I was when I fell into the bad PK circle, but, um, you know, you're just a teenager. Um, and, and I found myself often um, going out of my way to find places I felt like the church influence wouldn't be on me 
so, you know, finding different areas to go hang out or different places to go have dates. And, and to be honest with you, you know, at the end of the day, and I can, this, I can speak for my, my younger sister as well, because it was just me and my younger sister, um, that we both left the area once, you know, it was uh, available to us. So we both left and went away for college for those type of reasons of, of just getting away to kind of um, uh, get away from that 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 immense pressure that we had, you know, twenty four seven. It felt like um, originally, but I wouldn't say I struggled with my identity. I just struggled with just um, wanting to be myself. Sometimes that's it, um, and and just you know, I had to put on the facade, not a facade when I was at church, but I had to act a certain type of way. You know, a lot of people looking at me. Um, there were also expectations of which um, other parents pointed at you to mm -hmm. show other kids how to act. And I didn't like that all the time because it almost meant that you were supposed to be that perfect person, even though they don't know what conversations you were having at home or anything like that. Um, so just things like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point, uh, Austin. I, I remember, um, I mean, just a, a small example, my eighth grade graduation so I'm 13 years old. We graduated from eighth grade and me and my friends, we just thought we were the stuff. And so we went to a pizza restaurant after graduation. We went to a pizza restaurant. And I mean, we were just having so much fun, just laughing and everything. Nothing, you know, to be considered unholy or nothing wilding out or nothing like that. But um, I remember at the pizza restaurant, there was a pastor that was there, he and his wife. And when I made eye contact with him, automatically in my mind, it just triggered, Adrian, be on your best behavior because whatever he says can go right back to your parents or can go right back to the church. And we didn't even say anything. I didn't even greet him. He didn't greet me. But just knowing that he was there caused me to have to put up, a, a, a maintain my behavior to make sure that I was going to be legit among my friends, but also back at church. And um, like I said, I was 13 years old. And just that that small psychology, that small nuance, that small psyche is pretty much how we've had to frame our lives to let us know that somebody was always watching. I'll have to put all this in a wrapper and let you know that I'm so grateful that my parents weren't abusive. You know, <laughs> it would be so different if they were a, an abusive parent. But they they were so loving. I, I can attest with Shayla, my cousin, that, you know, my father, he was definitely uh, he was strict in the fact that um, uh, he dad just don't play. You know, he just didn't play. But he just loved us so much. And my mother, she, who was a preacher as well, loved us so much that it was such an enjoyable experience growing up with them and in the church to be able to travel. And um, so, yeah, we, we always in the back of our mind, watch how you act because it's going to give back to the people that you have to worship with. And I think, um, I think on, for my response, I'll say, um, I agree with Austin and Adrian that no, not necessarily my self identity, but it's just um, going back to that there's people always watching. Like I remember one time we were, um, I think we were in college, we were like 19 or 20 and we had gone downtown to Bricktown for 
Fourth of July. Um, you know, they have, well, they used to have the big festival in Bricktown every year. And we were just down there having a good time. We weren't drinking, we weren't smoking. We were, it was a concert and we just happened to be there. Well then like two days later, it's people calling my dad. What, what were the twins doing in Bricktown? Well, weren't you in Bricktown too? But you know, it's just, <laughs> just the fact that- Like how you see me? Right, <laughs> I didn't see you, but you saw me. And it's just right. the fact that um, a lot of times it's almost like people, when you're a, a preacher's kid, people feel like they're undercover detectives or something. <laughs> They're always trying to catch you doing something wrong. You might not even be doing anything wrong. And most of the time, we're not. We're not doing anything wrong. But it's like they go out of their way to try to catch you in some compromising position. Wow. wow. So did that ever make any of you feel like, like, what's the point of me even doing anything fun? Like, I as well just stay home and not do anything. Did any of you ever feel basically, feel basically like that you just want to kind of like, you know, keep yourself locked in because you knew all of these eyes were on you? Um, I didn't want to have fun, and that's the thing. I I, I did, and I was gonna do it. Um, I was just gonna figure, you know, ways um, of 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 separating my, like I told you, like separating myself from areas I felt like, I mean, cause think about it this way, you know, we're all pastors or preachers kids, right? And let's just be honest, you know, just in the same way, you know, uh, you know, our, our fathers may have ate certain places when they just wanted to eat by themselves. Sometimes they wanted to go out and eat and, and not be stopped eating or anything like that. So think about it in the way, the same way of us just going out and hanging out and thinking about places that we can go and have fun where we won't have eyes. It doesn't mean that we're doing the, the, the worst things or anything like that. It's just more so like, let's say, you know, if I'm in 10th grade and I have a girlfriend, right? That <laughs> is going to be expressed to everybody in the church of who she was, what she looked like, you know, whose child she was or, you know, anything like that. Um, so... It, you know, it got to a point where it, it was kind of, it was frustrating in some way. Um, and like I said, that's what affected my decision to, to actually just leave and just go somewhere where I wasn't known as Ricky Turner's son or, you know, James Love's son or, you know, Bobby Love's stepson or anything like that. And just being a regular person and not having those expectations set upon me. Because even, you know, when I met people and they knew who my daddy was, it caused them not to act themselves because of what they thought I was. You get what I'm saying? So it almost put a moniker on right. the top of me of thinking that I was some type of sterile box, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that no one could be themselves around because they felt like I would report it and then it would fall down and, and sprinkle to whoever else from there, so. Right, right. Yeah, excellent point, Austin, excellent point. Um, for From my perspective, I never, I never felt insulated or um, uh, I never felt that I was, um, uh, that I, I couldn't go um, to, um, I guess, recreational places. Uh, of course, nightclubs, that was out. Of course, um, you know, <laughs> that, that wasn't even an option. But that wasn't even because I was a PK. Honestly, I didn't even know of the expression of a PK until later in life. 
I really didn't because mm -hmm. I got saved at an early age. I was 13 years old when I got saved. And so it wasn't the okay. It wasn't the um, the feeling of, of having to um, walk circumspectly because I was a BK, but more so because I was saved and I wanted to be I wanted to be a saved young man. I really did. I wanted to live saved. I wanted to live holy, and uh, I didn't want to be a hypocrite because you know we just over and over talked about uh, from our former pastor about um, about hypocrisy and how easy it is to be a hypocrite. And I was like, I just do not want to be a hypocrite. I want to live holy, but I didn't really know how. I, you know, I was doing it to the best of my ability until we came into that to that knowledge. So again, it wasn't the mystique or the label of being a PK. It was really the fact that I had gotten saved uh, at an early age that I consciously chose not to go certain places, not to hang with certain people, not to get in other things. And just like Austin said, it kind of put me like in a bubble uh, because persons, they stopped cussing around me. They didn't, you know, want to say things around me. They didn't talk about what they were doing with their girlfriends around me. And um, so that it, it somewhat shielded me from that. I, I do feel like in some regards, it, it kind of makes people feel um like they have to treat you a certain way. Um, a few, I'll say probably about four or five years ago, um, I started dating this guy, Chris, long time ago, long time ago, way before you. Uh, yeah, yeah, long time ago, long time ago. Well, geez, look at the ring, long time ago. Get it right. But um, when we were talking and getting to know each other, it was all just cool. It was like any two young people getting to know each other. And then he found out my last name and everything changed. And it was, oh my gosh, you're Baptist royalty. No, I'm just Shayla. That's who I am, you know, and it just, it really kind of made me feel some type of way because it's like, you've put me on this pedestal, but I don't belong there. If anything, um, I feel like, like Adrian said, we should all be trying to live upright as saved people. It shouldn't be like saved people are here, but then pastors and their families are here. No, we should right. all be striving to reach that level of um, security and salvation, you know? Right. 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 Absolutely. So, so hitting that, and I think that's important, honey, that you hit that. Um, so, and I think that's important with so many PKs is that because of like Austin, me and you have talked about this because of who my dad's last name is and who my dad is then sometimes it's like there's this pressure now that has been not just placed, but also all of a sudden it's like, as you just said, Shayla, as I said, oh, or as Adrian just said, y'all can't do this, y'all can't do it. Basically feel like you you can't be yourself around. People couldn't be themselves around y'all because they, they felt like y'all was going to preach from them. They felt like y'all was going to judge them. But you just being who you are at the same time, but it seems like there is this pressure or there is this, this unfairness that's been given placed on you. And it's like, that's my dad. That's I'm in church, but I'm still my own person. I'm separate. So talk to us about 
just that where it feel where you may felt that pressure you may felt that like that that where it's like treat me as me not because of my last name but just treat me like as me anyway. um i mean yeah i mean literally i'm gonna be honest with you i mean i felt more direct pressure from you know the church more so than my parents if you get what i'm saying so you know it's not like i walked in my room in my house and i was expected to be you know holier than thou um but you know when i got certain places you know you know it was always that expectation um you know set upon me and you know it's actually pretty funny now that you know that people you went to church with and you know since i left you know i'm not there every day but you know i, I go home about twice a year so um that i have conversations with with folks um that i grew up with or even you know older people that I, you know, and they seem to, to to look at me now and say, "Wow, I never knew you were like that. I never knew you were so outgoing or so, uh, you know, so talkative and things of that nature." And it's um, it, it it's all because the way they approach me, um, being that you know you're, you're Ricky's son and my dad's a pretty um, stern person. He's strict too. I, I can say that too. He's pretty stern. If you know Ricky, he's pretty. Um, Pretty straight up, pretty straight up guy. Um, and, uh, you know, and the only part they see of him most of the time is him being a pastor, not him being a Dallas Cowboys fan or not him, you know, watching, you know, TV with his son or or going outside and playing basketball. They never see those type of things. So it's, it's almost, you know, a, a type of thing where, you know, they only see one aspect. So they place that same aspect upon you um, and your siblings and, you know, it, 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 I felt like there was a lot of instances where I, I don't feel like people knew me all the way as just Austin versus just, you know, Pastor Turner's son. Yeah, the, um, you know, growing up, it was the, um, <laughs> just keeping it 100 here. <laughs> what we kind of dealt with many times was um, people that, didn't really care for your parents. Um, and so because they don't have the guts to confront the parents, they try to take it out on you as stay a child. There, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just real. And you become quickly acquainted with the spirits of jealousy. You become quickly acquainted with the spirit of hatred um condescending tones um you hear gossip and you hear uh, um all of that and as a child you really don't know how to process it you really don't but as i grew up you know like the lord he spoke to me years ago maybe about 15 years ago and he told me something that really changed my life he said know the sound of jealousy and make no adjustments. That's what he told me. He said, know the sound of jealousy and make no adjustments. And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> because so many people, you know, they have this, this, they think that it's a prestige to be a pastor. They think it's a prestige to be a PK. They think it's a prestige. And they totally don't understand the nights and the long nights and the weekends and the the vacations that you skip over because you got to be a part of a funeral they don't they don't get 
the fact that you got to work extra hard on your day job because you got to pay for your children's school while you're also being a blessing to the church. I mean, they don't understand that you're literally taking your money to put people up in hotels who are homeless. They don't understand all of that stuff. They don't get the backstabbing. They don't get any of that. But they're thinking that it's so prestigious to be sitting up there in the pulpit, to be behind the microphone. And uh, but that opens up such a portal of envy, of jealousy. And it's nothing but the devil uh, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Uh, but they many times they take it out on the children. Many times they do. And so I know many PKs whose childhood experience was absolutely horrible because they were a preacher's child. I mean, absolutely horrible. The expectations was unrealistic. The the envy was present and real. I mean, it's just it's just keeping it real. Uh, and it were it not for the grace of God, they would have gone insane. And y'all know what I'm talking about. Were it not for the grace of God, they would have gone insane. They would have been crazy. They would have done some things or tried some things. They would have put, been pushed off into the world, into the streets. But God covered them, and they're still standing. I mean, that's just keeping it 100. Since we're in the hundred stage, you know. <laughs> Go ahead, Sharon. That's real. That's real. That that touched on. I, I was wondering when we were gonna get to the the nitty gritty, the real stuff. <laughs> to I was the gonna shade. get there. But Adrian <laughs> took it over. Adrian took it over. Yeah. I was gonna get to you, you can come. You can come back to me after that one. <laughs> Go ahead, Sharon. Uh, yeah, I I completely completely agree with what Adrian was saying, and um. You know, my situation was unique in the regard that uh, my mom passed away when we were 13. Um, and so not only was my father a preacher, he was a single preacher. Now I've already been threatened by my father not to say too much about his personal life. So I'm gonna leave it there. But what I am saying <laughs> is that it, it made a difficult situation that much harder. And like Adrian said, um, there were times that daddy might've said something in the pulpit that somebody didn't agree with um, and they took it out on us, but we didn't have that buffer of a mother to say, you know, it's okay, it's gonna be all right, all that other stuff. Um, and so a lot of times it was stuff um, that we kind of had to figure out on our own and oh, no. like like Adrian said, if if it wasn't for the grace of God, like I know, and I'm sure everybody in this conversation knows of PKs who, as soon as they were able to, they left. They left the church and they didn't look back. Um, didn't look back because, like like you said, we see behind the scenes. We see the the tough stuff. We see where our fathers bury your loved one and then the next day you're talking about them in the street. Right. Um, we, we see all that stuff and people think that um, PKs are up here spiritually, but we wrestle with the same stuff that everybody else wrestles with. It's not easy to hear people running your parents' name through the mud or um, all that other stuff. It's, it's so much that we have to deal with and it's literally, I'll say this, and I, I haven't just talked to you guys. I've talked to a lot of PKs. As a matter of fact, 
um, we kind of came up with this group that we call the PK Convention because pastors' kids love conventions. Um, <laughs> so it's just it's just a group of us pastors' kids, and it's a safe place for us to talk. Because one thing that I will say is that you learn early on as a preacher's kid that you can't talk to everybody. Even people that you think are your best friends is certain stuff that you just can't talk to them about. And you know that. Um, but it's, it's having that safe space. It's being able to openly and honestly talk to my father and openly and honestly talk to my heavenly father above everything else that has helped keep to me, help to keep me rooted and grounded and staying in the church because, um, it's, it's not an easy life. And there are, like I said, there are some PKs they left and even 20, 30, 40 years later, they'll tell you, I'm never coming back. Right. Yep. Um, Austin, I know you, you know, wanted to come back to that, right? Yeah, so, you know, yeah, go uh, ahead. You know since, since we're at this point, um, there was a time when I really struggled, like really bad. Um, I went through a public divorce in the church and as a PK, I wouldn't wish that on, on anybody as a pastor's kid going, going through that and uh, just, you know, uh, receiving opinions, um, overhearing conversations um, and me and being at the, you know, the age at that point, uh, which I think I was in sixth or seventh grade to really understand what, you know, people were, you know, insinuating things of that nature. Um, and, and not only that, going through a divorce, um, you know, in you know a church, also going through um, a marriage uh, on the other side um, to a recently divorced pastor um, through my mother. So uh, once again, you know, going to a church and, and, and becoming a, a PK through a recently divorced pastor um, and then receiving that same type of um, uh insinuations uh originally um so it was a really tough time to the point to where yeah. um you know honestly I, I couldn't have these conversations with my parents because i didn't know how to express myself and, and you know mm -hmm. i didn't want to go and say hey you know hey daddy or mama I, I saw such and such say this or say that or say this. it's just more so stuff you just keep bottled up inside and um it kind of turns you you know um, and it's conversations I can have with my siblings now that, that we're older, you know, my, my younger sister is, you know, of course, um, about seven years younger than me. So she didn't get the same experiences, but she did get some experiences um, of which I found out when I when I got older, um, you know, because, of course, my mom has actually written about a lot of this stuff. And she's actually written books on on, you know, how to deal with divorce in the church and, and things of that nature, and especially from, you know, clergy side. Um, but it, it was it was, a you know. Or a couple years where I really struggled with not even wanting to go to church, to be honest with you. Um, and and this was even as a teenager, you know, and we already, you know, as teenagers, sometimes we have that battle anyway, but it was just a lot of, you know, outside forces um, that, that really, you know, made me grow up fast and get to know who I was and how I, you know, responded to certain situations that were upon me, uh, you know, and these, are, this is supposed to be a safe haven for you. Um, and it, it, it really, you know, kind of threw me off, threw my, my whole personality off for a while of just, you know, just dealing with divorce in general, but also getting the pressure from the church and everyone's opinion. Um, so it, it, I, I think, you know, 
Um, pastors' kids need that safe haven anyway. But I think specifically any 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 child that's going through that on a public display. You know, I, I always I, you know, I don't want to compare it to you know the president of the United States, but imagine the president getting divorced during his four years and everybody knowing what's going on and asking them questions. And, and it's almost like they got to hide them away to get that type of thing. But for us, it's not that. We still have to be at church every day. We still have to sit there. We still have to, you know, be present. Um, and it really formulated my way and how I deal with things now. I, I think it actually, you know, actually greatly affected me in, in a positive way in some ways and how I, you know, handle situations now. But um, there was no way um, uh, for me to really get through it outside of, you know, praying in, in my relationship with God at that time. And, you know, me just finding other outlets to get that, all that frustration out of me at the time. So um, yeah, I know that's something that's not talked about often, but there, there are people that are going through these type of things in the church. And you may not know, the average person that attends a church may not know, they see them every day. Um, but, uh, you know, they could be struggling just as much as the parents would in so many ways um and nobody really paying attention wow so like i say y'all are helping a lot of people because this is why i want to have this conversation because there are things that people don't know that they think they know and so and like i said awesome we've had these conversations um plenty of times um and i know because me and my wife Adam and I'm glad to have Adrian as well. So they talk to me about this, about you talk about betrayal, you talk about hurt. We've heard it so many times mentioned about how pastors have to leave when they're bleeding. But nobody really talks about a PK having to still be at church when they're bleeding. Nobody talks about a PK having to be at church when they're bleeding or a PK having to be at church, having to put a smile on their face, having to still be respectful to that Sunday school teacher, that deacon. Matter of fact, even another teacher who knows what's going on. Nobody knows about that stuff that you all just brought out to us. So talk to us about and give advice to another PK about how did it feel being a PK but you're bleeding at the same time. And as Austin, you said it, it's bottled up in you and you in a, in a way you don't feel like you can talk to anybody. Um, I, I would say more so, you know, expressing to your, your parents, you know, more so how you feel and have those conversations. I think they need to happen. Um, you know, just kind of ignoring and, you know, just, you know, um, because sometimes you do need that buffer, man. You, you know, like um, as a child, especially, you need that buffer um, between you and those outside forces, especially, you know, certain ages. Some things, you know, you just can't help. But I think conversations in general um, would have definitely helped me along the way. Um, and, you know, that that's on both sides. You know, there's some ways, you know, I could have um, had those conversations myself with my parents. And then also, you know, my parents checking on me, you know, multiple times, just just making sure that I'm okay and checking my pulse um, to make sure that I'm kind of in tune. Um, and then also from, you know, an outside factor of, of, of you know, your average church, church member, um, you know, just realize that they're, they're people too, you know, and, you know, check on them as, as much as you would check on any other child going through anything else um, and, and, and realize that they're people um, and that uh, they need help just like anyone else. They're, they're not perfect. 
and neither are their parents perfect either. So, you know, just all the way all across the board. Um, let me just add to that and say, I definitely wholeheartedly um, agree with what Austin's saying. My Most people know that my, our life-changing perspective was that our mom died when we were 13 and our older sister died when we were 16. Um, and one thing um, about the PK life is that um, you don't grieve privately. Um, there's always people around. Um, there's always people looking at you in your face. Um, one of the things that we talk about as a family is it was almost like um, in both situations before we got home from the hospital, there were cars lined up and down the street before we could even actually get home. Um, and don't get me wrong, um, there was a lot of love and support shown during that time, but there is absolutely no downtime. Like, um, I'm gonna say this, and I know some people who may be watching may be a little shocked, but PKs understand this. Even in the midst of grief, um, you're still expected to go to church. Um, your dad still preaches, you still direct the choir, um, still teach Sunday school, whatever, um, whatever ministry you serve in. And it's not expectation, let me make this clear, it's not expectation that our parents put on us, it's expectation that the church people have put on us like, oh, you're a super Christian, so even though your mom just died, go ahead and leave this song. But no, I'm hurt. I'm in pain, just like you would be if your mom died or your sister died or, or whoever died. And so what I think that, um, what I would like for a lot of people to, for people to understand and to know is that um, we're human. We're human like everybody else. And uh, one of the great things that my father did for us is he got us into therapy. And that was at a time when a lot of black people were not in therapy and definitely not a lot of church people, but it was what we needed um, at that time. And it, was, and it was one of the things that helped to save our lives. Um, I'll say that one of my friends from Alaska that, when I, that I went to high school with, she actually got me a mug that says, it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist too. And I wholeheartedly believe that there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, it's just it's, it's just going back to the idea that um, there are a lot of struggles that we deal with as a PK or as PKs that sometimes we feel like we're alone. Yeah, that's real. That's real. Um, I've um, I remember speaking with a fellow PK, and they told me that they felt that they just couldn't cry about what they were dealing with, that they just could not cry at all, that they always had to be strong. They always had to, in some way, show um, that they've overcome this. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, we sing that song, uh, Hallelujah Anyhow, uh, never let your problems get you down. And I know it's a beautiful song, but it's not biblical. 
<laughs> nowhere in the scripture says hallelujah anyhow. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another and pray that you might be healed. Yeah. In other words, all of us are going to be dealing with hurt. We're going to be dealing with pain. And it is not for us to just go it alone. It is a false and almost a demonic expectation to have people feel like they cannot express themselves. You got to have a group of people so that you can just cry on their shoulders so that you can bleed on them so that you know that you can express yourself and all of your hurt, all of your humanity, all of your frailty without being judged, without being criticized, without having to know that they're going to use this against me next week. You got to have all of that. And many times you really have to walk alone. It, it because it, it's, it's a shame. It really is that you have to isolate yourself so that you can heal yourself. I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame that that has to happen many times because that too is unbiblical. You know, we're supposed to be in a loving environment where we're building on one another. Iron's supposed to be sharpening iron, but many times we just had to step away, have a sabbatical so that we can then be healed to go back to the church. But many times Christ is telling us that, you know what? I really want y'all to take a vacation. It is not an unholy thing. <laughs> to take a vacation. It's Amen. not a sin. <laughs> it's not an unholy thing. I mean, really. And then when you look in the scriptures, <laughs> they put they put this word in there. It was so funny to me. It said Jesus resorted into the mountain away from his disciples. Hold on. I said they he resorted. He went on a mountain resort away from the <laughs> disciples that he chose <laughs> so that he can be recouped. I mean, y'all, this thing is real. <laughs> it's real. Sometimes, you you know what? I can only imagine what Shayla went through when her mother passed, when her older sister passed. I can only imagine. And we're triggered in our mind as being members of the church to just love on you, to just love on you. But many times you just want to be away. You just want to be left alone. I just want to be in my corner. I just want to go on a trip. I just want to be left alone. Right, but right. there's always there, there that expectation that you have to be back at church. You got to be back in the public. You got to be back on the pulpit. You got to be back up behind the microphone. But um, that's just one of the things that comes with being a preacher's child, being in that family and all of that. And I'm going to tell you, I said this earlier, but were it not for the grace of God, I mean, you're talking straight jackets. I mean, you're talking attempted suicides. I mean, you're talking all of this stuff that the blood of Jesus has spared us from. And I'm so grateful that he did. Mm -hmm. I want to piggyback on what Sheva said as well. Um, in Go terms ahead. of like therapy, um, you know, we grew up in a time where therapy wasn't really recommended or, you know, even thought about at a time. Um, and, and I think, you know, at, I got into therapy as, you know, in my late 20s, my 30s, and realized a lot of things that affected me as a child coming from the church um, that I that affected the way, you know, I approach church now. Um, also how I approach even my wife per se, um, that I had to, to, to shed myself of, um, 15 years later, um, that I think that it's important for those type of avenues to be re recommended or even, you know, um, offered to, you know, kids, especially pastors, kids in certain situations or in general, 
Um, you know, not not just to say that you know you, you you're gonna have your conversations with God. You're gonna have you you know you, you're gonna be in the Bible, but sometimes you need that specific help. That it's there for a reason. Um, for you know them to have, and and, and just kind of picks piggybacks back on. You know, we're not perfect. You know, we're, we're not just gonna read the scripture and the next day come back and be okay. You know, um, you know there there are you know extra methods of help that that are needed for us. Um, and I think that it should be offered and respected if they do take that avenue. Mm-hmm. My, 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 like I said, y'all, this is a powerful conversation that is that I'm glad we're having. And so since we hit on these things, let me ask you this question. When you're growing up as a preacher kid, you're, um, and you've had to deal with these public displays of hurt these public displays of betrayal your life is basically in the public when you're growing up as a teenager as a kid did you ever have that conversation with your parents basically saying i don't want to go to church with i don't want to go to my dad's church i don't even want to go to church with my mom basically did you ever have that conversation with your parent basically said i just want to go to a completely different church away from mm-hmm you away from because you're dealing with all of this you know in public um i was scared to say something like that first of all i, I would uh and it, it, it's not something that I, I could imagine myself saying to be honest with you yeah. it's just more so it's like it, it's for me it was mm-hmm. do your time do your time get to high school when you graduate from high school you have your choices and you go do it from there my thing was, and it's just kind of like, you know, like like we said before, you were taught to kind of just deal with it. Um, don't ask no questions. I'm from a don't ask no questions generation. You know, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't, who we, who are we to question and tell our parents what church you want to go to? Don't matter what happened, you know? Um, so, and then also, you know, it's also a pressure from if things like that do happen, then questions and murmurs start formulating through the church. And people start asking more questions, so it almost makes it worse. And you, you also think about how it looks for your parents as well. So I, you know, the same type of thing where I didn't, I never wanted to put, you know, any type of you know, questions or any type of um, bad type of karma on 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 my parents um, from actions that I have done or or stated um, before. So I, I would never ask my parents to ask to go to another church at all. I got. I just, it just never, never was a question that even came up in my mind. To be honest with you, yeah, me either. I'm gonna piggyback off of that. <laughs> me that never did. Uh, I never had a desire to um, go to another church or uh, to uh, leave uh, where we were to go to what I would perceive to be greener pastures. Um, never, never had that uh, that desire. Um, what What really helped us. Uh, my family was that um, our whatever church issues we had, it caused my immediate family to draw closer together. Um, my immediate family, we're very right. close. My father, my mother, my sister, my brother, we're very close. And it didn't happen just now. It started years ago. And I praise God for that because it didn't have to be. But uh, when, what we were experiencing or what we did experience um, in the world of the church, um, we, we really um, we were able to discuss it among ourselves 
Um, I, I, it was so interesting. We would just, one person would sit in the living room of our home and then we see somebody sitting in there. So then another person would just step in the living room and, and after a while, the whole family is in the living room and we're just talking about what we're dealing with and uh, where, we're, where we're thinking that we're going and all of that. So family was such a therapy um, for, uh, for us. So I never did have a desire to leave our church. Um, I'll, I'll say that I didn't have a desire to leave Unity. Now, when we were in high school, and I say we because my frame of reference is always going to be me and my twin sister, um, especially from the growing up years. Um, but when we were in high school, this is kind of a funny story. Uh, we would go to Sunday school at Unity, and then we would sneak off and go to Greater Mount Olive for morning worship service. Now, Uncle Glenn would always call us out because no matter how many people were at Mount Olive, he knew his nieces were there. Um, and then, like I said, we did it a lot, so much to the extent that when we went to college, we went to college way out in Western Oklahoma. And one day this lady was there, she was offering um, information about a law school here in Oklahoma City. But we walked by the table in the student union and she said, oh my gosh, it's the Woodbury twins. Y'all ought to be ashamed of yourself. Y'all haven't been to church in a long time. I'm like, man, we don't go to Mount Olive. We go to Unity. <laughs> but, but you know, it's just basically I said that to say, even if I had a desire to leave Unity, they would have sent us right back. <laughs> right. You know, I would say that, you know, kind of, well, I guess you could say, you know, there was a point in time, especially, you know, after my, well, during my teenage years when I was going to two different churches, um, you know, with both sets of parents. So, um, you know, there, I guess you can say there was a point in time, you know, especially initially when, when my mother was, you know, church searching, where I did feel some sort of a relief of just going and just being a regular person, just walking in church, sitting down, nobody saying, you know, just saying welcome. Uh, you know, and, and kind of leaving right after without, you know, certain conversations, especially in the midst of, of what was going on at the time. Um, so I guess you can say there was, there was a short period of time where I did feel, I did get some relief of just being not present in, in that animosity for a certain amount of time. Um, and I think that was some, that was somewhat comforting for me for, you know, a short period of time um, that, you know, of course, it's not anything I had conversations with. It's just something that, you know, I just happened to enjoy over, you know, um, a period of a couple months of, of just going somewhere and not having expectations placed upon you. So next question I want to ask, and it, like I said, this is another question. Um, this is something like, like I said, me and Austin have had this conversation. I'm not going to dip real far, far into it, but I'm just going to ask this question. And he knows where I'm going when I ask this question. As a PK, talk to us about being used by members who want to get close to your father. Now, I'm not gonna share the rest. I'm not gonna share the rest with me and also talk about. It. That's probably this question, just the way it is. I mean, I mean, you know, just to be straightforward. I mean, you know, when you do have, and Shelly could probably speak to this too as well. You know, when you do have a single um, father, and you know, there, you know, of course you're you know their kids are the key to their heart most of the time so a lot of times you know if they feel like um 
they can do certain things to get your attention. Of course, that gets the attention of the parent. Um, and, you know, just in any other situation, church is just like anywhere else when it comes to certain things. I mean, you know, certain things are going to be used um, to take advantage of, you know, of certain things. Now, of course, you know, I was a little bit older at the time. Um, my sister was a little, like I said, she was seven years younger than me. And me being a teenager, right, coming a teenager, you know, there's certain things that could be placed upon her that would be easier, you know, to coerce, coerce her um, into certain things. But, I mean, it, it happens. It happened to me. I mean, it, uh, it kind of, it made me grow up really quick to see intentions at that point. Because before that, I didn't see intentions. I just saw people just being nice because they were being nice. Um, but as certain things came along and, you know, um, I, I, and as my dad did find a, a love interest at some point, and you see the difference in attitudes after that, um, it kind of, like I said, it, like it, that was the part of my turnoff period with, I, you know, there was never a point where I left church, you know, even when I went to college across the country, I didn't leave church, but it, it always had me sit back and look at people twice um, in terms of what are your real intentions in terms of getting to know me or offering me certain things. Um, because, you know, I, I can probably speak for you guys. Look, as a PK, I had the best pastor's anniversaries that anybody can ask for. Like, listen, as a PK, listen, that is just a stripe that we're going to wear on our chest forever. You know, at, you know, there were certain days where I didn't even, I didn't expect to fix my plate. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you just being real, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, and I don't want to say that just I don't want to be all negative in this in this thing today. But listen, you know, I enjoy being a PK just as anybody else. There's a lot of pluses that come with the PK. You know, there's you know, it's not all negativity. It's a lot. It's it's, it's probably a lot of good stuff. I love being a PK from the time I was there. You know, there's yeah. some things that happen, but um, you know, overall, I, I just think um. Hmm. There are some people that are used that'll take certain things, um, take advantage of certain things just to get to your father or to, to put themselves in, in better position to do um, anything. And that doesn't even have to be romantically. There could be positions in the church that people want um, to get to you, you know, to have that similar type of camaraderie with you um, to get just in the house, you know, because not so many people come by the house. <laughs> But, you know, if they can get a reason, you know, between between their kids and stuff like that, just to build that friendship outside of church, you know, they feel like it'll lead to something else. Ain't nobody ever fixed my plate. I need to know which church (laughs) you went to. It was only on pastor's anniversaries. (laughs) I ain't never had nobody fix my plate because I was a PK. <laughs> Man, oh, I feel slighted. I feel cheated. <laughs> Man, I, I, you know, and then the nice civil war too. You know, see, you got to be on on the paper place for one day a year. Oak Ridge, Oak Ridge has real China. I will say that I was amazed by that. <laughs> wow! Wow! Oh yeah, Uncle Ricky, Uncle Ricky, Uncle Ricky, Uncle Ricky got the hookup. He got the hookup. I'm telling you, he got the hookup. But, 
But honey, did you have anything you wanted to ask about feeling used? Absolutely. Um, like like Austin said, now it it wasn't all bad. Um, now let me say that um, my father became um, a widow in 1996, and um, women from Churches near and far baked every kind of meatloaf, fried catfish, meat, uh, in anything you could, cakes, pies, and um, we paid for that because we ate every drop of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but also, I will say this: when we went to, when we got ready to go to college, because there were um, women who were vying for my father's attention. Um, my dad didn't have to buy anything for our dorm rooms. When we came home, um, people would just give us money or whatever, this, that, and the other. Um, it really helps, like, you know, when you're a parent, a single parent trying to put twins through college, every little bit helps. <laughs> but in addition to that, no, it definitely wasn't all bad. But like Austin said, not just in the romantic context, you also get the people who say, well, um, well, twins, can y'all lead vacation Bible school? You know, your dad would want you to. Mm. I talk to my dad quite frequently. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't say anything about leading vacation Bible school, you know, but it's just always people always trying to um use something against you or or try to get their way it's like you're always in the picture somehow yeah right yeah okay i'll well thank well definitely thank you for those responses um i got a couple more questions and i'm thank y'all thank my cousins and my wife for their time tonight i don't want to hold them up any longer but i got a couple more questions and then we'll be through talk to us about the highs and the lows because as you say it's not all bad being a pk so talk to us about the highs and the lows of being pk um most days were highs for me you know i i, I genuinely enjoyed being in church and 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 um having the relationships that i that i had uh before i, I like i said before um I, I think i'm the person i am now because of being a pk just having you know i know how to handle pressure continuously not just in certain circumstances, just just more so, um, you know, on a daily basis. But for the most part, I love the, you know, no, I'm not gonna lie, I love the attention. <laughs> um, I loved, um, you know, constantly, um, you know, having the conversations and people having certain expectations of me. Cause I even, you know, I have high expectations of myself, but you know, it's, I love, uh, you know, going to church, uh, you know, I loved, uh, you know, even now I go back and I love having, you know, just as long of a line as my daddy do, just because I came home to visit, you know, it's just stuff like that. But on a daily basis, you know, I, I loved uh, just being, you know, um, there and, and and people coming and speaking to me and the relationships that I built um, from, you know, every church. And, and, and you, you can tell kind of how you're appreciated by, um, you know, kind of when you go back. Um, and this is even from, you know, going back to Mount Olive, you know, I've been to Mount Olive in a while, but um, you know, before when, when we left Oklahoma City and we came back from Kansas City sometimes to visit, you know, just having and talking to those people and um, 
just like I said, the relationships that I built, because I feel like I don't, I don't feel like I would have known every single person the way I did if I wasn't a PK or people wouldn't took their t- time out of their day to come talk to me if I wasn't the PK um, and show their appreciation to me because of my dad or to my dad um, because of that. And also, um, like I said, one thing that I did really enjoy is just seeing how, how many people appreciate and reverence my father or, or you know my mother or my stepfather um, and just how much they mean to them you know, because you, you see your dad, you know, he gets you up, you go to work, you go do this, but you don't see um, the the kind of appreciation, the kind of admiration that people have for them outside of, you know, them just being your dad. But when you see that and, you know, you see um, uh, people that they've done things for and all the times that they may have left and everything like that, people do really appreciate that. And, you know, they'll show that to you as well. Um, and like I said, for the most part, I really, I really enjoyed being at church, both churches that I had, um, and, and being a PK just from that aspect. Yeah, I think I've already mentioned many of the lows, um, but for the highs, um, I, I would say one of the greatest things is the fact that you have access to some of the greatest preachers, greatest evangelists. I mean, of our time. I mean, we, we've been blessed to meet some highly anointed persons to sit at the feet and hear their wisdom, not only from a spiritual standpoint, but also from a domestic standpoint, to be able to glean from them. That access, I do believe, was afforded because of our lineage as a, you know, in, in the church and our lineage as a, a, a preacher's children and pastor's children, now bishop's children. Um so I've been blessed to meet so many different people that I don't believe I would have had that opportunity were I not um, enfranchised um, with the um, in the ministry. And that's something I don't take lightly. Uh, that's something that I do praise God for. Uh, but that's also something that um, I have hoped to give to persons who don't have that lineage that, you know, based upon your desire to grow higher in the Lord, I would love to pair you up with other persons that I believe can sharpen you. Uh, So, you know, we're not trying to hoard all of the blessings or anything like that, but definitely share that out um, with uh, with, with others. One one load came to my mind, um, and that is the the, um, being misunderstood, and get this, being misunderstood for being stuck up. For some reason, <laughs> I mean, really, for some reason, people think, I mean, and it's just something that you just, it's something that you overcompensate. I mean, you're extra friendly to people. You're extra kind. You're extra liberal to people so that they don't put that mantra of you on you or being stuck up. I mean, I, I hated that. And it's like, we're not trying to, ain't nobody trying to be stuck up, but we got this expectation that we got to be perfect. We got to be right. We got to be on time. We got to be present, you know, and then we got, we're humans. And so we're trying to be perfect and trying to fit into that bubble and all that stuff. And you got to battle with, you know, he's stuck up. He think he all that. He It's like, man, I literally, I used to get so frustrated with having to deal with that. I was like, if you really knew me, you wouldn't even say that. I promise you would not say that uh, at all. And it caused me again to overextend myself to some people so that they wouldn't have that thought 
uh, of me. So that's that's another big low, I think, uh, uh, is the mystique of being or the misunderstanding of being stuck up. I agree. <laughs> what, what else can I say? I agree. We're we're always getting accused, my sister and I, especially if it's us together. Um, and and that's something else. People are always watching. Like you know how sometimes we as young people um, we might sit together in church and just laugh about something because that's what young people do. But if we laugh. It's we're laughing because we're talking about somebody. Right, right. You know, and it, and then it becomes this whole big ordeal. And I'm like, okay, but ma'am, your kid was laughing with us too. So, you know, <laughs> but um, as far as the highs, I'll definitely say one of my favorite things um, is the traveling. Um, love going to congresses and conventions, love traveling um, with my dad, preaching across the country. Um, as he got older um, and as he trusted us more, he even let us drive him places. Um, and most of the trips were good. Now there's the one trip to Roswell, New Mexico that we don't, we don't talk about and we'll, it, it's never to be mentioned again. Um, <laughs> but all in all, um, getting to see literally the length and breadth of this country um, due to my father's ministry. Um, and a lot of times um, really not having to pay for much of anything to get there. Um, but then at the same regard, um, a low for me is like, I think Adrian said, having to miss out on time spent together as a family. Um, there have been times that, um, cause you know, now it's just, or for many years, it was just me and my dad and my twin sister. And so, um, we would always try to go out of town for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or, um, do something special for my dad for his birthday. And we would plan a trip and just cross our fingers and pray that nothing happened, but inevitably something happened. And so the trip gets canceled and then you just have to deal with it. That's something that um, I was telling Chris about that, you know, when we do have kids that we're going to have to teach them early on that there's going to be certain things that mom can be at that dad won't necessarily be able to be there because of church stuff or, um, you know, just stuff that I'm already thinking of now for down the road, way down the road, 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 down the road. But um, other than that, I, I want to say there was another low, um, that I thought of while we were talking. Um, nope, maybe it'll come to me later. <laughs> All right, well, like I said, then we, we about to close y'all. This is just a fun question and then we'll be done. Last question will be done. I'm so grateful for all of you, like I said, family. If you, knowing then what you know now, if you could go back in time to your younger self, 
and what you know now. And then also this can help PKs now that are younger than younger than y'all. Knowing, knowing then what you know now, what would you tell your younger self to tell a young PK right at this moment? It's okay to ask for help, you know, um, and to have those actual conversations with your parents. You know, you may not express yourself, but just, you know, just have a check-in um, in terms of just, just a pulse of where you're at. Um, it doesn't even matter if anything's going on specifically, but just, you know, you never know how, you know, things um, affect children. And even when they're elevated or have a spotlight on them as such, um, you know, when they're a pastor child. And, and secondly, I would tell myself to be myself because I don't think I was myself in front of people until I got older or until I left or even, you know, towards the end of my high school years until, you know, um, just to be myself in front of people um, and not carry that that cross all the time uh, that I did before, just carry that, that moniker that I have to be perfect. Um, you know, because I, I feel like myself my parents raised me right and everything that if I was being myself, I was still good. I just didn't have to hold myself to a certain um, personality all the time, you know? Um, and I feel like um, I could have expanded some more, you know, friendships um, a little bit more if I would have just been myself early on. Yeah. For me, uh, always speak up for yourself. Um, don't bite your tongue say it <laughs> just say it don't hold back <laughs> say it and, um, and ask for forgiveness later or understanding later but say it <laughs> yep um what i would say to my my younger self um is to Know, appreciate, and understand that your dad always has your back. Um, even when it comes to church people. Um, I know sometimes you may be afraid to say what the church people have done because you don't want to cause problems. But in all honesty, your parents just want to hear from you and they just want to know that you're okay, um, that you're succeeding, you're thriving, and if like like we discussed before a lot of times um when church people talk crazy to us pks it's because they really don't have what it takes to say it to the pastor so i mean it's not so much tattling but if they're if they're challenged then they'll back down and you'll see them for who they really are um so basically don't be afraid of these people um goes back to what Austin said, just be yourself and know that um, I would also tell myself that in the end, it all works out. Hey, man, well, listen, um, thank you all so much who have uh, joined us via social media. We got so many comments. This won't be the first. This won't be the only one we'll do. I, we'll do others with uh, this panel. And then, of course, like, you know, I have other cousins and friends as well and family. So we want to do this again. But I want to thank my wife and I want to thank uh, my cousin so much for being part of this. Y'all stay on for a brief minute. I'm about to end this podcast. But 
God bless you all that tuned in. Continue to share this and um, continue to uh, chew on what these PKs have spoken to us tonight. All right. God bless you. Take care.